That's a good idea. I am in my head now imagining all your Christmas cards looking slightly like hostage notes, though. (laughs) Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living and learning languages. Hello. My name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk and together with my co-host, co-adventurer, co-podcaster, Lindsay Williams from Lindsay Does Languages, we talk about anything and everything interesting from the world of learning another language. Hey, Lindsay. Hello. How's it going today? Very good, thank you. Yeah, I saw you were... Well, how do I say? Is, is there a word ravished by emotion? That's not the word. Ravished, taken Ravi- over. Taken over. By emotion, yeah. Highly emotional. What, what's happened this week? I've been to the dentist. <laughs> My car's been for an MOT. And Language Stories won a film festival. What? <laughs> Pass your MOT. <laughs> yes, passed the MOT. That's I do I do have a big lump on the inside of my mouth where I bit my gum when my mouth was numbed at the dentist but apart from that <laughs> apart from that that was good as well it's but a week of triumph stories. it's a week of triumph <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh congratulations so language stories uh for listeners who, who aren't aware we've previously mentioned Lindsay's got a podcast called language scores scores <laughs> Scoring the languages. Language stories, it's called, where she tells stories of various different languages. And why did your podcast win a film festival? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't when you say it like that. So language stories is like a multimedia experience, I guess. And so for each episode, there's a podcast and a video. So it's a lot of fun because we film together, me and Ashley, my husband, we, we film together, we record the interviews together, and then um, he edits the videos, mostly, and then I edit the podcast, mostly on our own. We come together at the end and in between if we need. And so we end up, even though we started at the same place, you know, the stories become ever so slightly different. So I love it because they kind of complement each other quite nicely, especially if you listen and then you build up this idea in your head from the podcast, and then when you watch the video and you see the place where these interviews and this story takes place. And it's like, oh, wow. So, yeah. And the episode that won was Keeping Quiche, which is an episode from season one, um, where we went to Guatemala and we stayed with um, a family, Carlos and his family in Totonicapan, um, who speak Quiche, which is a Mayan language. And, uh, yeah, it was an absolute joy. I was, I, it was so lovely as well because yesterday, was uh, the morning after, so to speak, and, you know, contacting everyone from the film and saying, hey, you're in this film and we won. (laughs) People know about your language and people care. That's that's the thing that really has, has got to me. And that's why I was getting quite emotional on Instagram, because just the idea that you know, this wasn't made, you know, I, I always wanted it to be, to have wider appeal than just people that already love languages. Yeah. I always wanted it to be accessible. Completely understand that. Yeah, and definitely. So, you know, the idea that it's it's won something and that people care about this is amazing. And it what you're saying is, is really like, that's that's the thing, isn't it? You, the shows that you made that I remember, because this is season two of Language Stories, uh, Keeping Kitchen was a part of that. And I think you had one episode, perhaps a teeny tiny one about Spanish a little bit. But on the whole, these were not about Spanish, English, German, which is why it's so interesting that they, you know, which is why we want them to have the mass appeal, because these are about, a lot of them were about minority and smaller languages. And I can tell you now, I am already so excited for your next season, which you, because you finished Asia. Oh, Kiche was season yes. one, right? Because that was yeah, America's. Yeah, Kiche yeah. was season one. So mm-hmm. season one, like you say, at first when we started to plan this trip and we knew we wanted to spend a lot of time in Latin America and it was like, okay, well, um, 
Obviously, Spanish is kind of the dominant language on the surface, but then when you dig a little bit deeper, that's not all that there is. And so we wanted to explore that a little bit. Same for season two in Southeast Asia. You know, we, we wanted to, we looked at Vietnamese, but we didn't just want to look at, oh, this is the country, this is the official language that you expect. This is the country, this is the official language you expect. We wanted to go beyond that again. Um, so yeah, season three, now that we've come home, it seems only appropriate that we explore in depth a little bit the United kingdom so that is the uh, topic for season three there's lots to dig into so i'm looking forward to learning a lot more about that absolutely absolutely it's it's so fascinating because i mean we've previously done a podcast episode with simon from omniglot which i'm gonna drop in the show notes and i've also dropped keeping Kiche in the show notes so you can find us at fluent.show slash 129 I think we've agreed that this number is 129. So we, you're listening to episode 129. It's fluent.show slash 129. You find a link to the Keeping Kiche episode of Language Stories, award-winning Keeping Kiche. Yay! <laughs> and you'll also get a link to our United Kingdom, Hidden Secret Languages of United Kingdom episode. And we came to, I think we counted 12, 12 languages in the UK that are indigenous or native and are not English. So can't wait, can't wait. And I bet there's going to be a lot of, well, you already get a lot of input from me in Welsh, about Welsh, endless rumblings. But if there's any opportunity for me to ramble endlessly about Welsh, I'm going to take that opportunity because I <laughs> like it. <laughs> so my, my secret hope is like take you and Ash to the Stafford and just party. <laughs> <laughs> so that is it congratulations to language stories congratulations Lindsay and Ash and I wish I wish keeping Kiche much success in the next round I think there's a next round right no it's yeah. one. Oh, okay we have to go oh, it's we have to go back to get the prize yeah <laughs> oh okay well I wish you a good trophy I <laughs> <laughs> keep entering it's amazing uh, listeners by the way I have this year also entered an award with the show you're listening to right now and I don't know where it's up to at all yet but I sort of made a little super cut of highlights from five episodes that I really really loved and enjoyed last year if you want to know which ones you can see them on twitter it's twitter.com slash thefluentshow and there's a pinned thread right at the top of this profile where you can see the episodes I selected. But there will be, I believe there's a listener's vote if you get nominated. So just, you know, get your voting fingers flexed and ready if we get nominated. And wish us luck. <laughs> you know? Yay. Wish the fluent show good luck. Might not come to anything. But as Lindsay's shown, as Ash and Lindsay, you've shown, if you don't enter, you can't win, right? Mm, absolutely. Okay, let's... Move on, Lindsay, to something that is already a winner in our hearts. And that's our sponsor for the week. I Sounds like Eurovision. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I want you to tell me, Lindsay, who is our sponsor for this week? Our sponsor mm -hmm. is not I Talk I. <laughs> what, what are you saying? I'm saying our sponsor is italki. Italki. Here is a beautiful thing about italki, who is our sponsor this week, is that when they send you the talking points and the kind of things that describe them and that they would like people to know about italki as part of their sponsorship, their guide includes the answer to the question that we have that's kept us all up at night, which is how do you pronounce this company name? If you've never heard of italki before, or italki, what, what, what? It is spelled I-T-A-L-K-I. And we had a, we, we haven't re didn't really have a lively debate, but we found, Lindsay, you and I, that we've been pronouncing this differently for ages and ages and ages. And it's a bit like the gif-gif debate, isn't it? Mm. It's a proper gif gif. Mm. In your lived experience, how many people do you know who are italki people? Uh, I can't remember. I, I don't know. A few. I used to be, and then I think I did something and then discovered that I, had, I was pronouncing it wrong all these years. Mm, it's a reform. She's a reformed character. Reformed. <laughs> 
So if you've never heard of italki before and why we talk about it like it's a thing everybody knows, it's because italki is one of the biggest names, I would say, in online language learning. It is a platform where you can join and find yourself a language teacher for almost any language, almost any language. So far, I don't think I've ever come up short with the minority languages I have looked for. And each teacher, each teacher profile that you find on there is a has a little booking page. So there's a video where the teacher introduces him or herself or themselves, a description. And then you can tr you can take a trial lesson with them, which usually comes in at about half the price of a standard lesson. So you're in with ten dollars. You're you're way in for a language lesson, which is a bargain. And there's a big scheduler where you can see when they are free, and it's fairly easy to find a time where you can book in. So Italki has been around for certainly all the time I have been a language teacher, which is since 2012. So they've been around for a long, long time. I have taught on there, Lindsay. You've taught on there as well, haven't you? Mm, yeah. And we have both been learners on there as well. What's your most recent Italki lesson? Ooh, I had a Korean lesson in January or February, mm -hmm. which oh. was very, very good. Awesome. A Korean lesson. And how is your Korean level? How is my Korean level? <laughs> Not as good as the teacher was, <laughs> but she was native, so. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I'll give it, I'm trying to work up my courage to take a Chinese lesson, but I kind of feel like, well, what would you, you know, I, I still, I'm still really shy. So I'm trying to find, I'm fi kind of finding excuses, I think, because I'm going, oh, what would we talk about? This is a chair. Where is the chair? This is a table. Where is the table? One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's about it. What I can actually, I can do ten to eleven to twenty now as well. But that's not really much of a conversation. So I'm a bit, I'm holding back. What do you think I should? Do you think I should acquire a bit more, or I should just throw myself into it? Throw yourself into it. I mean, are you, are you entitled to get the ten dollar voucher? Oh, ooh. oh, have I gone a step ahead? No, no, Sorry. no. That's a good question. <laughs> Maybe I should email them before I claim claim my own voucher. I think it's only for newbies. For complete uh, newbies. So if you're a listener listening right now and you've not had an italki lesson before, Lindsay has got the spoiler for you. And that is <laughs> the fact that you can claim a $10 voucher. There you go. $10 just for free. And like I said, that's going to get you a trial lesson with a very, very last large, large variety of teachers. And then you can start connecting with your next online tutor today. And if you're already on italki, I've got any vouchers for you right now, but maybe reactivate your profile. You and I both, listener, we can get ourselves motivated. We can get ourselves psyched up and take that next lesson. It's going to do wonders for your language level. I know it'll do wonders for my Chinese. It's done wonders for my Welsh. So, Lindsay, I have no more excuses. Go What's, for it. Do yeah. it. What's do it, do it, do it. <laughs> What's the URL? It's fluentlanguage.co.uk forward slash italki. Beautiful, italki. So that's www.fluentlanguage.co.uk if you need it, fluentlanguage.co.uk slash I-T-A-L-K-I. That's fluentlanguage.co.uk slash italki. That's where you'll find our sponsor. Oh, after this highly creative sponsor message, I think it's time to jump into this week's main topic. and. You chaired a panel at Women in Language. It was your first time chairing a panel. How did it go and what was it about? It went very well. It was very, very enjoyable. It was all about creativity in language learning. That was the core topic. And um, so we had Katie Harris from Joy of Languages. We had Maria Ortega-Garcia and we had Ophelia Vert. And it was... Yeah, it was interesting. We talked about like what is creativity, what actually counts and then digging in and, and the conversation kept going in one direction. I noticed in particular this idea of guilt. So hopefully we'll dig into that a little bit as well in mm. today's podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to start with this idea of creativity and sort of almost start on the surface and have a think about what we can do that is creative. Because as I was thinking about this topic, I was thinking about the mindset of someone who's a first time learner or very early on. So for example, I have this, um, I'm, I do Toastmasters, as I mentioned, and there's a lady in Toastmasters I was chatting to and she said, oh, 
I want to start learning Italian. Or I've started learning Italian. And I'm like, oh, brilliant, brilliant. You know, and then you say, like, what are you doing for it? Oh, I got myself an app. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, ooh, is it Duolingo? And that's that's sort of, but, you know, she said, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing for Italian. Um, and she was saying, oh, I don't know what else to do. Maybe I should take some lessons or maybe I should do this and that. And it's really... The, the, it reminded me that when you first start to learn a language, if you haven't, like you and I, we, we've talked about it a lot and we've thought about it so much that, that it's easy to think, oh yeah, well, everything is language learning. But when you first start out, you, you sort of expect your learning to happen in the books and in the apps and that the language almost stays in that box. And as a contrast, I remembered... I, I was thinking about Mark Pendleton, who spoke at Langfest two years ago. Do you remember from Coffee Break? Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And something he said that really stood out to me was that language should not be restricted to the classroom. He used to be a teacher and he wanted, you know, that's why he started his podcast because language should not be re restricted to the classroom and that that is not the way that it, it learns. And it really reminded me because language should break out of that box. So why don't we start by listing a few ways, a few sort of extra ways that you can add language and become creative as a learner if you wanted to play with having language, perhaps even as a beginner, be outside the box. Okay, you want me to go? <laughs> go for it. <laughs> so, uh, first one. Yeah, start me, with your fave, right? Always music is, is always a big one. I think it's always been quite interesting because, like you say, you know, if you've never, never really learned a language before, you know, you might feel like it's very exclusive, but I think sometimes it might cross over. So some people like myself at times in the past may have got into languages or a certain language because of music. So sometimes it might be the other way around. And same with any of these things that we're about to mention mm -hmm. that by no means is an extensive list for sure. And, um, but yeah, if it is the other way around, music as well. And then, you know, the more that you delve into even just one of these points that we're going to share, the more creative you can get so you know what do you do with that music okay so you listen to it okay but what else can you do well you could listen and you could read the lyrics you could use lyrics training which is like one of my favorite apps right now you know you could use um like you could listen and you could try and write what you hear you could listen and you could try and sing along and you know get used to the intonation the pronunciation and you know the more that you think about it the more you can use that one thing in a very creative way so i think it's also about the idea of you know, everything that we're going to suggest in a minute, it, it's about taking anything that you have, even the traditional stuff like your textbook, like your app. And, oh, wait, what year are we? And I just called an app traditional. Uh, <laughs> future, um, you know, you, even your taking anything. Your virtual headset. <laughs> yeah, your implant. Anything that you're using <laughs> and using that in a creative way is also about creativity and language learning as well. Very true, very true. And this this is the thing, isn't it? Like when we say music, it's it's almost, and a lot of these, like we'll, we'll run through the list in a minute, but a lot of these, as soon as I wrote them down, I went, oh, that's too obvious. But mm, again, mm. It, I was just thinking it's like the, the mindset of somebody who, who comes to this for the first time. So often I've said to somebody, well, have you, have you looked on Spotify for some songs perhaps in Italian? And they go, oh, no, oh my gosh. And they're very... Like, it's almost, it's again, it's this thing that we'll get to in a minute, which is, am I allowed to do that? Mm. You know? So, oh, well, okay, let's, let's try and run through this list. And I'll, I'll ask you, I think I'll, I want to know for each of these, whether you and any of our panel members mentioned those as well and used those. So music, that's a, a, a definitely a Lindsay classic. And you're like queen of the playlists as well. Boop, boop. Mm -hmm. I'll take it. <laughs> and then the next one was playing games. Yeah. I have a feeling that um, Katie might have mentioned this, especially when she's teaching. So, and that's another thing, you know, the idea that perhaps if you're listening to this and you teach languages, maybe you're always thinking, how can I make this fun for my students in the classroom? And then when it comes to you on your own learning, you know, we don't always take those same 
pieces of advice for ourselves. So I think that's something to consider as well. If you if you have experience teaching is to think, well, how would I make this fun for mm-hmm. a student? And therefore, how can I make it fun for me? Um, but yeah, playing games, always a good one. Definitely. And this was a very common one in our other panel at Women in Language as well, which was about little ones and loved ones. So we had a lot of um, parents with various stages of multilingualism for their kids and uh, people who've got their partners and stuff like that. So getting playful in general, I think, is such a good piece of advice for language learning. And yeah, I remember, you know, I remember in school, in English lessons, that the times when we played Taboo, where it wasn't textbook lesson, they were the most joyful that that's honestly the best, some of the best English lessons I remember in eight years of learning English. Mm. I think we did it twice and I'm still just thinking back going, that was awesome. That's just my favorite. So playing games, absolute classic. Next we have poetry. Ooh, that sounds intimidating. Yeah, it does a bit. But, you know, I think poetry and definitely we had Maria Ortega Garcia mention this on the panel. Um, you know, poetry doesn't have to be intimidating. It could be simple as a one line, a two line thing to start off with, you know, using a website where you can find rhymes to try and put just a little couplet together or, you know, a haiku where it's nice and short and, you know, you can be using. And, 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 and this was, um, the topic of her session as well at Women in Language, right? The idea of using creative writing for your like for your spoken intonation and pronunciation. And I think that's really cool as well. The idea of taking something that feels like very removed from the process of learning a language specifically, even though it's completely about language poetry and using it in such a way to you know, enhance the thing that we all seem to want, you know, speaking a language better. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I had, I had Maria, I did an interview with Maria for the Fluent Show last week. And, and again, you know, we, we, we talked about this a little bit, but we, we kind of came into this like bigger picture with, with, from poetry, you, you sort of, we jumped into this and she talked very much about how, creative writing so the next point in our list is literature so i'll just throw that in there as well creative writing gives you this special way of using language your your language lesson like your your i don't know (laughs) your, your you know like your your learning process but it lets you get in touch with your own feelings and your own not just your own thoughts, you know, because we're so in our head when we're learning languages and we're not really in our body or we're not really in our our emotional space, you know, because you don't feel like you, you feel like you need to be rational and technical. But the how that allows you the chance to tap into this other side, the side of your own emotions and the strength of that. And I think that that's why the playing games and music as well works because you you tap into having fun, you tap into relaxing and being happy. Um, and this is the same, but even if you feel pain or why not write even why not write a haiku about, I don't know, the terrible Russian cases if you really if they bug you. I can imagine instantly writing a terrible Welsh haiku about mutations and just doing terrible mutations in it. Mm. So even an emotion like frustration allows you to kind of get in touch with that. And we were, yeah, we were talking about that a little bit more, but it's just, it's such a, such a powerful thing and so creative. And we also get to consume these things, you know, like literature in your target language. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I guess with all of these things, so music, poetry, literature, yeah, so far, yeah, it's not just about creating yourself. You get a chance for input as well. Mm-hmm. And then you, I think the way your brain engages with it is your brain creating meaning. So even there, it's, I mean, I don't know, life is creation, right? Okay, next oh. one is <laughs> using technology. Did, did that get touched on mm. in the panel? It did. We had a little um, chance to talk about technology and some mixed views as well. Um, some people say in that, you know, technology sort of stifles creativity and wasn't something that they used and others saying, yeah, definitely use it all the time. I think I tend to fall on that second side myself. Um, and I think there are ways, like it feels with technology, like, and I'm, you know, thinking on a very basic level, the idea of a mobile phone, you know, smartphone 
we think that, oh, it's a distraction, it's procrastination, it takes up too much of our time, you know, and we're wasting time on Instagram and things like this. But actually, all of those things are just tools. And it's what we use the tool for that is perhaps wasting the time. Does that make sense? You know, so if you choose to follow accounts on Instagram because they have like nice, aesthetically pleasing pictures, then, you know, maybe that's wasting your time if you're looking to learn a language, whereas you could follow accounts on Instagram that are sharing bits of the language or that are natives posting in that language that you want to learn. So there are ways around this to use those tools so that they, you know, in a creative way so that it does work for you. And again, input and output is completely accessible with with um, a lot of technologies. Very true, very true. When when I wrote technology down, um, it was sort of an idea in my head and I hadn't even gotten to social media. And you're so right. This is a, a really important point. So I completely agree with you. And it reminds me of as well the language journals discussion that we had recently and how, again, like like a visually appealing picture could even, you you I can imagine in like you could do your what are they called? Your Chinese characters or your Japanese Korean characters and your different writing systems. In And if you consume that and you perhaps even create in the most beautiful way you can imagine, and you're that kind of person who is stimulated by that, then I can imagine that working together really well. Mm, definitely. All right, the next one, we had a, this is, a lot of this is inspired by women in language. So if you missed women in language this year, just, you know, a little hint, next year it's coming back. But <laughs> women in language had a session called Burn and Learn. And that's what inspired me to write the next part, which is exercise. Mm. Have you ever used exercise to learn languages? Can you imagine doing it? Yes, I have. So I used to find videos on YouTube that were, you know, for, I don't know, 10 minute abs or I don't know, 15 minute yoga, whatever, you know, just type those things in, but then in the language that you're learning. And it's amazing how much stuff there is out there that you could find. So you could be like doing exercise and listening to the instructions in the language that you want to learn. Or like with burn and learn, you could be doing something like counting reps in the language that you want to learn, you know, that kind of thing. You could be running and listening to a podcast. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways, I think, that you can bring exercise into, um, into well, bring language learning into exercise, I think, is, is the way around it would, it would probably be. Yeah, possibly. I mean, you know, unless, again, unless you're a teacher and you could, I can imagine doing, I don't know, doing like a PE language lesson. Oh, you talked about this with Ashley recently as well. But oh, yes. 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 <laughs> on, on Lindsay's other podcast. Jeez, Louise, yeah. she won't stop casting the pods. Uh, th this is on Teach Languages <laughs> Online. <laughs> I'll, put it, I'll put that one in the show notes as well. Um, but, but yeah, I can imagine, I can imagine if you have like a group of, I don't know, five-year-olds with way too much energy for human being, you can just do like, okay, we'll do a shuttle run shout a vocab word, run over to the other side, tell the other kid, other kid comes back, says the vocab word, gets the new password, da, 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 you know, like, or whatever, whatever it is that you could do. I can imagine that combining movement and language is really, could be really interesting in that way. But yeah, bringing your language learning into your exercise, bringing your exercise into your language learning. This is another one where it's about getting out of your head and into your body. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Here's a theme. Okay. And then I wrote... DIY, 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 is that how you say it in German? Nine. Is that? Nine. Nine. It would be like D-E-Y, because we've got a cool word for the Y. Not as catchy, not as catchy. No. Okay, so DIY. I wrote DIY, bricolage, because that's just a good word, and crafts. So arts and crafts and DIY. Yeah, so any... Have you ever done this? Any use, any ideas from the panel? Mm, you know, thinking about it, I have a little bit. Um, so we have some jars in our kitchen, like glass jars for coffee and stuff. And I put some blackboard paint on them. And sometimes I write what's in it. So I write like coffee and, you know, green tea, whatever in different languages. Mm. You know, so it's not like every single day I'm writing on these jars you know because they're quite big because they don't need filling very often yeah but you know i will try and write on them in different languages mm. so that's one thing and i have a box 
with scarves in that's like covered in different newspapers. That's another thing. The scarves are covered in newspapers? <laughs> no. I made the, I, it's like a box and I like um, paper mache ah, the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like different languages, newspaper, magazine bits. You oh, know? cool. Yeah. yeah that, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, I used to, when I was a teenager, I used to make all my own Christmas cards and stuff like that. I used to be really into taking magazines and like usually magazines in English, actually, because I was trying to get my friends to bring me magazines back from England. And so I would have like sugar or something, you know, girly magazines. And yeah. I would, when I when I was done with them, I would do a lot of, I would kind of cut through them and collage and do that kind of thing and then make my Christmas cards out of them or my birthday cards. So I would always give people homemade cards. And that was a great way of engaging with, for me, with the language of English and, you know, looking through different things written in English. And it gives you a real appreciation of the words and the the look of that language and makes it into not necessarily a piece of art but it makes it uh, makes it into something to be cherished rather than you know mastered or gotten correct mm -hmm. that's a good idea i am in my head now imagining all your christmas cards looking slightly like hostage notes though <laughs> they might have all I just had I like a tiny a little jarvis cockers on, a, on the other side <laughs> just like it's <laughs> like they did not look like maybe they did i don't know i was trying, <laughs> trying to do my best i think they looked like hostage notes made by a teenage girl who isn't holding anybody hostage fair enough but yeah no they, that was not my inspiration but you could you could i mean if you are abducting somebody listeners then you know you could consider writing okay. your hostage notes in other I languages i do not agree too. with the current advice i do not agree with the current <laughs> advice let it go on the record i do not agree with kidnapping people Correct. There we go. Yeah, moving Said. on to the next part, the next suggestion. So the last one in our in our list of creative endeavors or endeavors looking for creativity through language learning, and that was cooking. And there's there's obviously like you've just mentioned labeling your ingredients. You've mentioned coffee and green tea and stuff, but labeling your your ingredients or naming your ingredients as you are cooking and just saying it out loud, like saying um, a sugar and whatever you know whatever other words you you have that's that's actually a really cool idea mm, that's one thing shopping lists writing your shopping list as well in mm -hmm. different languages and recipes i've had to do this lately out of necessity because every time i try and find there's a food in paraguay i think in argentina and maybe brazil well brazil they call it pao de queso it's like cheesy little cheesy bread roll um and in paraguay it's called chipa so every time I try in English to type in chipper recipe, it comes up with chips recipe. It like autocorrects. And I'm like, no. Mm, so yeah. I have to put it in with like receta, you know, and f then do the recipe from Spanish. Mm -hmm. So I've learned the, um, the, the little like codes for like teaspoon and tablespoon. Oh, in, in Spanish. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the difference between the two. That's really cool. Yeah, I can't remember now, but I can never remember in English either. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's been quite interesting doing that and learning from recipes as well. It does really teach you, doesn't it? Like I remember mm. doing doing my seaweed scones in Welsh and I, I definitely, I don't remember much, but I certainly remember the words for salt and the words for, uh, the word for flour and stuff like that. Mm. It's so, you know, like you actually learn vocab through this they're not empty activities and that kind of brings brings me to our our kind of below the below the line our subtotal of all of this so we've had so much that we've named listeners if you've never tried any of these all of them might be an incredible thing to add into your language learning music playing games poetry literature the technology and you know social media use uh, exercise crafts and hostage notes and cooking <laughs> <laughs> it's almost when i started listening listing these i was like it's almost too easy because when you really think about it anything graphic design anything uh car driving wh whatever it is can be can be you, you know any activity that you have in your day you can add a little language so it's like there's it's not really about or oh, what way could i possibly find to be creative when you let yourself play a little bit it's more about well how could i find a way of not being creative and that made me think why on earth did we not or hardly ever do this in school 
you know, because mm. none mm. of this looks like learning. I think you've just answered your own question. I think that's it because it doesn't look like typical learning. And because I think a lot of the time in school, there's a lot of pressure on teachers to get to the exam and to teach the stuff that's on the exam. And a lot of the time, that's quite an extensive list of things that could come up in a language exam. And so it's about making, well, at least trying to make sure that students have that knowledge through the quickest means possible, like cramming so much in, you know, in in, the, in a relatively short space of time, in like an hour a week, a lot of the time, oh you know, at least here in the UK. So it's quite intense. It's one of the reasons I'm not a teacher. <laughs> and it doesn't give you that flexibility in the classroom, unfortunately, generally to be creative. Mm, you're very right. Or as, or as creative as perhaps you would like as a teacher. It's funny, isn't it? Because this this makes me think about what, what Mark Pendleton said again and what we were saying earlier about language being part needing to be part of your life. And in a way, I think the more I think about the school curriculum and, and the, the way it goes, it's like, number one, one lesson a week. It, it is so difficult to see the value in that. It's so difficult to to get beyond anything that is just a surface. I have a hamster conversation. It's so difficult to, it just feels like a, like almost a joke. It feels so much like a nod to what we feel we should be doing. And whenever you do something that you feel you should be doing, you it's it's tricky. It's really tricky because you you're starting from such a wrong place. And then with we you know with everything we've just said, poetry, literature, technology, exercise, these are actually all other school subjects as well. And there's lots more school subjects. And the answer, perhaps there, and I don't want to get too far into, you know, the, like school language learning, but I think it does help us as independent adult learners to reflect on how school taught us languages and to perhaps think, well, that's not the only way of doing it. The answer that I feel here is, or the question that comes up in me, is like, why aren't, why is it not more cro cross-curricular? Mm, mm. I said that so awkwardly. I was I was sounding smart until then. Yeah. <laughs> but you know why did like language is I think that's a big difference as well between from country to country, you know. Mm -hmm. I think definitely in some places it seems I know I, I'm no expert, but it seems that there's some places that it is more cross-curricular and you know if you're in a like bilingual education system as well, then you definitely yes. can take advantage of that. Yeah, because like a Welsh medium school, for example, comes to my mind because yeah. obviously yeah. that's an obvious thing to think about. But a bilingual school or I'm thinking about international schools around the world mm, and mm. they seem to manage perfectly fine teaching you through the medium of another language and involving that language in your your daily life. But even if you're just in a, in a you know, like in a secondary comprehensive in, I'm trying to think of a, in Huddersfield and you you could still like you you might not be able to do your maths in german but you could quite easily involve a little bit of it in pe in arts in maybe even in assembly and just have a little bit of language in there or listen to music in other languages that is not impossible and especially now that in the uk it's not like it's not like the modern foreign languages that we encounter in the classroom to sort of what French, English, German, possibly Chinese, if we're on the cutting edge. Ooh. And, you know, like, it, it's not as if that is where language starts and ends. Lots of kids come to school with lots of different home languages and native yeah. languages. And we speak Urdu in this country as well. And mm. we speak, what, Polish in this country as well. And we speak Hindi in this country as well. And it's just so, and Tamil, and I don't know what else. It's just such a, you know, range. So, and I mean, never mind the African languages. Uh, it's, it, there's just so much more. We could really go really far. I don't know how I've ended up in a rant about school, <laughs> but <laughs> really, this brings me back. Okay, let's bring it back to this idea. So it makes me think again, like we as the independent adult learner, why do we, why do we avoid the temptation to play? You know what I mean? I think because of everything we've just discussed, the idea of 
a lot of um a lot of people's memories of language learning is school and when that was quite structured we feel like that's the way to learn and we feel like you know maybe we know that you know music exists in another language maybe we know that like we can like change the language on our phone and like follow different people on social media or whatever but we feel like oh yeah but it's not real it doesn't count as real real mm. learning it doesn't count so you know i i need to focus on doing that instead and i feel like that that runs the risk of making language learning a chore and making it quite dull and making it quite boring and then eventually lead into a sort of burnout or even a fizzle out of just yeah that was my fizzle out noise <laughs> glad we got that on tape as you can tell i'm a highly highly qualified and experienced foley artist <laughs> that's a car indicator oh i thought it was a horse it's, it also does double up as a horse. A horse car indicate. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but the, like, what stands out from to me from that is really this this thought. Okay, so we say we. You, I got distracted with the car there. We don't feel like we feel like things should look a certain way. We feel like learning and study looks a certain way. We don't maybe play as much as we could. And a question that came up in my mind when you were saying that is for you personally, as mm. somebody who you know does enjoy music in another language and all that stuff, do you ever have a week or two, let's say a month, where you would do lots of fun activities that involve your target language? But no, what, textbook study or no, you know, like whatever, whatever you think of as traditional study. And do you then still feel accomplished or do you feel like you're somehow sneaking off and, and doing, doing mm. it wrong? Now I do. Now I do feel okay with that, right? So the thing that I think has done it for me is the idea of setting a time each day of like, okay, so at the minute it's like 20 minutes Korean, 20 minutes where I need 20 minutes of like other. And mm -hmm. then that's on a rotation of two weeks, right? And that idea of just having a time and I'm not being too strict with setting what I do every single day with that time. You know, I know the things that I'm using and I know like roughly an idea of like, oh, well, I did that yesterday, so I won't do that today. You know, I've got an idea of when I last did stuff. So I sit down and I, it's it's time and that's my time and I'll do what I feel like doing that day. Mm -hmm. So it gives me that flexibility. And then I, I've, you know, I'm still saying, well, I've done it. I've done what I set out to do. I've done the time with that language. I've spent that amount of time with that language today and I'm okay with that. And the what doesn't really matter. But I'm in a different position right now because I'm not really studying, you know, like for a test or anything like that. I'm, it, it's pure like pleasure at the minute. Um, so it's perhaps a little bit different than if there's like a, an exam at the end. Yeah. I feel like the problem really is that the problem with our creativity and our, the fact that we are so head dominated is actually what you said there is like you, you're not studying for an exam, but because we are all, because our default is school. What happens, it, what, what I feel happens is that when we are adult learners, we study as if we're preparing for an exam, even when we're not. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it's, it's, it's definitely something that you can like, work, work through and work past and then kind of come to a, a positive conclusion where you feel very like, at peace. Mm -hmm. with your language learning whatever it is that you're choosing to do and uh but it's not necessarily easy because like you say you do perhaps end up feeling sort of lazy and then guilty sometimes which is not good so a question that you brought to the podcast today and a topic that you brought to the podcast today was procrastination and you've just mm. mentioned guilt so i kind of want to get into that a little bit if we don't See, if we don't feel like we're studying in a super structured way, maybe we feel lazy. And when, and, and laziness, I associate like the feeling of feeling lazy for me, it's associated with guilt. I, when I'm thinking I'm being lazy, I tend to be also in a space, in a mental space where I'm scolding myself and mm. I am talking about procrastinating. So it's like, oh, I'm, you're not, you're not productive. You're not like, you know, like it goes very quickly into a, 
it quite it can go into quite a dark mental space if you don't stop yourself you can quite quickly go like oh well you know i'm not i i, I don't work hard on this so with languages we know it's a little bit of effort we know you know like we we feel like we often say uh, you got to work hard or whatever. And you, we come out of school knowing like or feeling like we know that we have to work hard. Like the world has told us this is difficult. And then if you are not feeling like whatever you did that you're doing is difficult, if you're feeling like whatever it is that you're doing is perhaps a little bit of fun, is perhaps a little bit of freedom, doing your social media profiles in another language, following someone who tweets in whatever, Russian, uh, listening, just, just listening to a playlist that is in Spanish and not in English for a change. We, we feel lazy. And, we, and then uh, what I get a lot from people is they say, well, I, I could be spending my time learning. And by learning, they, they mean sat here with a textbook. So, so that is people saying they're, they're procrastinating. And feeling bad and feeling lazy, and I have, I really have, have sort of that that angle on it is that people or people learners can be very easily led into feeling like they're not doing anything when they're actually doing something. Mm. But you brought up brought it up from a different perspective as well, which is this idea of procrastination and people really being avoidant. Can you? Tell me more about that. Yeah, I just think sometimes when we tell ourselves, oh, you're being lazy, I think maybe we need to ask ourselves, are we actually being lazy or are we procrastinating and avoiding like language learning tasks that we think are going to get us further because we don't like our language studies. We don't like what we're doing. We don't enjoy it. So are we actually just avoiding that and doing other things instead? And... I think when we ask ourselves that, we have to be very honest. You know, you have to say, well, is this helping me? That's the first question. Like, is it helping me? Is it actually going to get me to where I want to be? Is it going to help me advance in the language? And if the answer is yes, then ask yourself, do I enjoy it? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, then keep going. But, you know, if the answer is no and then no or yes and then no, then maybe reconsider mm -hmm. whether or not you do that thing anymore. That goes into that goes into the the next point that I was thinking about, which is this idea of permission, because mm. I think a lot of people, wh whatever it is, like poetry was a was a classic for that. That just very you very quickly start thinking, but am I allowed to? And I'm thinking about as well about if you like what you were saying then was like, is it going to advance me? I'm thinking, get yourself look at for example, getting a language exchange partner or a teacher. And you can sort of go, oh, yeah, no, this will definitely help me get better at my language. But if you're not on a wavelength with that person, the, the, the joyful thing is that you have a choice. If you're not enjoying it, you can and you're allowed to say, oh, well, you know, it's not, it's not really working for me or actually I'll, I'll look for somebody else or something like that. But we think we're not allowed. We think we have to... I feel like in language learning, we, have, we feel like we have to take what we're given. Mm. So, cre mm. so getting creative, there, there's, a, there's a sense of permission involved in there. There's like a sense of play, a sense of being allowed to try lots of different things out. That, and then seeing if they advance you. Because that's the thing, you need the space. You, for example, with the, the, let's, say, let's say exercise, um, it could be fantastic. It could teach you a thousand new words. You could do, I don't know, you could do a million different ways of, of, you know, getting better, even if it's just going for a jog while listening to a podcast instead of doing it at home or doing it while you're driving. But we don't know it's going to advance us until we actually try it and perhaps until we've tried it two or three times. So I almost feel like I want to push back on the, on the does it advance you because sometimes you do something you don't know if it's going to advance you until you try it. Mm, 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 mm. yeah that's fair mm. and in you brought in you brought in a few other points as well which you said like the guilt doesn't do you any favors so you can't feel guilty for trying something out you just need to put a frame around it so you don't you know try it out and that becomes like your only thing um you were talking about accepting mistakes for example mm, mm. and i i don't just mean in the language that you're using and that you've like produced 
you know, but also mistakes that you make perhaps in the process. Maybe there's some mistakes that you've made with a habit. Maybe you've broken a streak. Yeah. Just accept it. Just move on, you know, because oh, really, I think, yeah. you know, it's, it's helpful. It's helpful. It can be really useful to, to kind of set a habit and to, to get into the idea of doing something and to continually be doing something. But a streak isn't necessarily evidence that you know that language well. And I think, you know, if we break a streak, we need to be kinder to ourselves and to just say, okay, well, there's probably a reason for that. Maybe it was just that you were really busy. You had a crazy day. You had to go to the dentist and were numb for half of the day. And then you want a film festival in the evening. Crazy day. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe that's why, but maybe also, you, you know, you didn't actually want to. So you perhaps like avoided it. And, you know, and if that's the case, then maybe you don't need that thing that you've got the streak going on with. Maybe it's time to ditch the streak. So we just need to be kinder to ourselves and allow us, like you say, that permission to to break that streak and to be okay with breaking that streak. For example, the streak is just one example. I'm talking about a streak on an app, not a streak across a football pitch. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Have you ever thought about um, seasons as well and the the, you, the the way our general energy fluctuates? You mm. know, like even, okay, like this is a very woman-specific example, but think about your cycle. And as a, you know, if you're listening and you're a gentleman listener, hello, you also have a cycle probably. But like the way your hormonal and your energy levels fluctuate throughout the months and also throughout the year, how you have seasons in your life and you've got seasons in your month. So actually you, you might not, you might, it's exactly like you say, you might break the streak one day. It might be because you're busy or it might just be because you are tired that week. Yeah, exactly. And that, that is something that, you know, that level of kindness to ourselves, I think a lot of a lot of us, again, because, you know, school exams and because um, the mindset that we've, we've had from language learning is so much about, again, I keep coming back to this theme of like being in our heads rather than being in our, being in, being in our bodies or being in our hearts. So sort of, you know, like you're very, if you're very rational about it and you, you just want to follow a pattern you just want to you know like continue 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 and and think about the streak you know the streak is basically made by a computer and computers don't have bad days computers just work unless the power's off or something like that but you as a human being are not a computer so you need to uh, you need to see the bigger picture hmm Definitely. Yeah. And then you brought one more point and I really, I, I think that is a great one. And that was more about how our language, how we think our language learning has to look to the outside. Yeah. I think that's sometimes responsible for those feelings of guilt. The idea of, oh, but I've told people I'm learning this language and they're going to expect X, Y, Z from me, or they're going to think I will have reached chapter nine by this point. And, <laughs> you know? Well, who, why, what, who are you trying to impress with your language skills? Because, you know, you're not learning a language to just peacock and show off. Probably not, at least not if you listen to this. <laughs> so I think we should put ourselves at the top of that list of who we're trying to impress. You know, it's, 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 it can be a motivator to want to impress someone, to want to have some skills that make people proud or inspired or, you know, like just amazed at what you can do that that's cool that can be a really good motivator but i think that as long as we're at the top of that list and then there's a big gap and then there's everyone else that matters not just people that you don't really know or people that you think you should impress people that that really matter you know your family your friends people that you have you know your language friends that you've met across the Mm -hmm. internet you don't have to know know them but you could still really feel like you know i do i want this person to to be proud of me yeah and but yourself at the top that's the important bit it it reminds me as well of this other conversation i think probably warrants a podcast episode at some point in the future which is about comparing and Mm. how you know like how much how much damage we can do to ourselves if we just compare ourselves to other people in ways where we almost almost are guaranteed to come out less favorably 
Mm. Like people's social media, hello. You know, like I'm not gonna put on I'm not gonna put on social media uh I don't know. <laughs> whatever whatever is not impressive. I'm not even gonna tell you about it in the podcast. But trust me, I do very unimpressive things pretty much eighty percent of the time. But what ends up on social media is the twenty percent where I think, oh man, this is really cool. I wanna share this. You know, yeah. like the like the the three mornings a week, four or five mornings a week where I where I don't learn languages where I look at the clock and I go, oh my God, it's nine o'clock already. How did that happen? I don't, sh I don't share those as much as the ones where I do have a little bit of extra time. I go, oh, cool. I'm doing something interesting. But I wouldn't want anybody to come away thinking that's every single one of my mornings is, is like super productive. And I mean, evenings as well. It doesn't really matter what time of day. It's, it's about, like, like Lindsay says, it's about you putting yourself first and it's almost imagine if you were imagine if you looked at your own instagram and you were a stranger what what would you see you know and is that is that reflective of of something that you find impressive i think that's a really interesting question mm. or is it reflective of something that just other people find impressive because mm. it should be the first one absolutely Absolutely. There's this um, thing that I recently heard, which I heard it on a podcast somewhere where somebody said, if you take a piece of paper that's an inch squared, you know, which, mm -hmm. which isn't very large at all, on that piece of paper, just write all the people whose opinions matter to you. That is the size it should be. I think it's a Brene Brown recommendation. And that is really something that, that is very true and brings us back to again brings us back to the classroom man the classroom really messed us up because when yeah. you're in the language school classroom you tend to want to impress the teacher right they, they hold all the power yeah teacher and then 29 other people around you that are your peers that you know you're with all day that if you get something wrong might mock you for it for the rest of the day or the week or the month or the year there's a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. Or you're studying for an exam and you know that if your teacher isn't happy with how you do X, Y, Z, you know, if your teacher just continuously says your punctuation is wrong or you're misspelling this word or this isn't the gender of this word noun and this isn't how you uh, decline, decline, declens, whatever the word is, declench, 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 this adjective, this isn't, you know, whatever it is, I don't even know the word. It's It's really easy to start to make our measurement device to make our measuring stick into this other person and it you know, make just, just I, mean, I need to say this better it's really easy to start measuring ourselves by a standard that we haven't actually set but when you think about creativity and going back to again the activities we talked about music games poetry exercise and, and crafts you know like <laughs> making your own birthday cards whether they look like hostage notes or not uh, cookery mm. and that kind of thing the, the the thing that they all have in common is that you come up with your own way of doing it you come up with your own way of deciding what would be fun what am i enjoying here and that is why being creative in your language learning is actually so so powerful and so important that it is it comes from you as the learner it doesn't come from the teacher so even when i think i'm thinking about say an italki teacher for example your your skype teacher and they bring creative ideas if you're not enjoying them you've got to push back and you've got to bring what you think is going to be fun and as a learner it's very difficult to feel empowered in that kind of dynamic i think it's very difficult to to come up with new ideas because you're continuously thinking am i good enough am i good enough at this language so one thing I do remember is in the in Maria's presentation at Women in Language, we talked about this briefly, about this, well, but but am I good enough to write poetry in the language? Because, oh gosh, it'll have errors in it and it'll be really bad. And Maria said something that, that stuck with me, which was the language has to be yours right from the start, from the first time you look at it, and you have to be allowed to break it as well. Mm. And you won't, you know, you won't break it forever. So, so she was, I think she just said it as a sort of as an image, but it really stuck with me. It's this idea of you don't have to 
you know, like it's not like it's not bad caring for your target language if you make an error, if you create something that is a bad creation in that language or whatever. Number one, you can throw it away. It's it's not you don't have to share it. And mm. no one's going to come and judge you because like like Lindsay just said, you're not trying to impress anyone. Perhaps you're trying to impress yourself. Perhaps you're trying to impress your your your, your mom or your your husband. But the good the, the good way of impress I think okay the good way of trying to impress someone is trying to impress someone who's already impressed with you I think <laughs> like feels like cheating <laughs> it isn't though right because <laughs> everybody else is not kind enough to you yeah and the the other side of that is is this idea of of it doesn't have to be perfection it doesn't have to be out there it doesn't have to be a perfect streak and you are allowed to absolutely completely mess things up you can take words in your target language and just split them into syllables and just play around and really think sandbox and and just this i just really loved this image of you're allowed to break it because to be honest, like often when you see digital natives, <laughs> you know, like people who've grown up with computers, they are much mm. more, um, they feel much, much more confident and free with pressing buttons and hitting delete. And oh, let's see what happens if I press this, because they don't have this feeling that the parents often have, which is, oh, I'm going to break it. And I often say to my mom, well, have you tried clicking that, you know, when her computer breaks and she doesn't click whatever it is. Because she's mm. she's worried about something breaking. I feel with languages, it's a little bit like that. Like we don't, we're scared we're going to break it. We're scared we're going to, like the language police is going to come and say, well, you, you that's that's it now. You can't, after after <laughs> what you did today, you can't study Japanese anymore. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. You know. It's interesting that. I like that a lot. But no one's ever going to come. No one's ever going to come and tell you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> You're only going to get better, right? Yeah. So I guess that's that's kind of that's that's probably as far as, as as I have it. Oh, I have one more point, which is this idea as well of the and and uh, perhaps the whole discussion we've just had, the hour you've just spent listening to us, you now know exactly what I mean. Hopefully, when I say this is why, as a as a teacher, I don't know, a language guardian, a language advocate, I feel so frustrated when there's somebody out there claiming they have found the best method or the one true method of doing something there's mm. awesome methods out there but i don't think i don't i just don't think there's a way of doing it wrong do you find mm. such a thing frustrating or are you kind of like oh, suit yourselves i'm here to impress Lindsay. yeah kind of <laughs> kind <laughs> of the second one like, yeah okay that's fine that's that's your thing you do you you do you, yeah. Like even, even when somebody says, "Well, I have found that in language learning, this and this and this works really well." And I think we have to be careful when we when we say that on social media. Like we have to preface this and say, "This works for me," and we mm. have to be aware that if, for example, you've you've built, you know, like you've built your own flashcards and they work like this, and this, even if the, you know, like scientifically, that there's a way of talking about it where you say, "Researchers found, and I have found, this works for me." go try it out. That is, I think, a very good and healthy way of talking about it. Whereas I think it's m much, much trickier to say, you should, da 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 da. Mm, so anything mm. that starts or ends with should, I'm very wary of as a language teacher and learner, actually. Oh, yeah. That's when you start to edge into those tricky verb tenses, isn't it? That's why. <laughs> Modals, conditionals. Oh, man. Oh, gosh, <laughs> yes. I I think the Welsh just have like a should word where it's relatively easy, so I hadn't even noticed that. But yeah, in German, ooh, 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 ooh. meet me at that lesson, two o'clock tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah, so that was kind of the last thing I wanted to say is just, I think as a conclusion of this discussion, it's, what what have we learned? What have we taken away from this, Lindsay? For me, I think the idea of permission like you know in creativity is it's about giving yourself permission and you're the only one that can do that mm, mm -hmm. you know even if you are learning in a class right now your teacher's not there to give you the permission you are you have to be the one to say okay i'm going to allow myself to yes do my homework and but then also to go and have some fun with this language as well 
Yeah. For me, it's been like what you said about being kind to yourself and especially mm. the taking into account the kind of day you're having, the kind of week you're having. That's That feels really important. And I like this idea of getting out of our heads and just taking language out of the rational and into the the physical, into the perceived, into the, the felt, the emotional. Um, every now and then, I think that could add such a big dimension to your learning. Well, I'm very excited. I'm going to go away, yeah. book my italki Chinese lesson and sing him a song. <laughs> <laughs> Why Sounds not? Sounds good. Brilliant. And listeners, before we say goodbye, don't forget to rate and review this podcast in iTunes. If you listen to us in iTunes, you can find us at fluent.show slash 129, where you will find all of the show notes and relevant links. And of course, on Twitter, where we are at The Fluent Show. And on Instagram, you can find me with the hashtag The Fluent Show. Lindsay is Lindsay Does Languages on Instagram and LD Languages on Twitter. And I am Fluent Language on Twitter and Kirsten underscore Fluent on Instagram. Some unification should happen there, but hasn't yet. So with that being said, <laughs> it's time for us to say goodbye. Wish you a good week. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And goodbye from Lindsay. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. Don't forget that you can send us your comments and questions to be answered on the show to Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk or you can find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you. We read every message. Don't forget to review us. See you next week.